This is the Negotiate X podcast, show number 22. Yeah, that's really well said, right? And the tendency there for all of us, and probably for a lot of folks who listen to this program, is I want to jump in and solve problems. And the emotionally intelligent leader is able to pause for that split second and, and kind of practice some of those behaviors you were just talking about. And it's because of, you know, I can recognize what's going on in myself. I can recognize what's going on with this other person. And even if I screw up, it's okay. I can go back and address it sooner. And we don't go down too far down this path of damaged feelings and emotions. We're able to get to problem solving actually sooner in a more effective way, right? By, by practicing what you're saying. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Hello and welcome to another episode of the NegotiateX podcast. I am your co-host and co-founder, Nolan Martin, and with me today as usual, and definitely the intro that he hates, the man, the myth, the legend, Aram Dinesian, my co-host and co-founder. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good. It's it's interesting since we're going to talk about emotional intelligence, and you said you know that I hate that intro, that you would choose to still go with that. What does that say about your level of emotional intelligence, my friend? It means that I obviously have a lot to learn during this lesson. <laughs> um, and so... This is kind of why I brought it up is that today we are talking about emotional intelligence and this is going to be understanding the different emotions as a leader and eventually how we can tie this into actual negotiations process. So Aram, kicking us off here, what is emotional intelligence? Well, you know you know me and anybody who's been listening for a while, I like to give you more information that you probably want. You want me to get right to the point. If you are interested in this topic, the two people I go to, and if you see the video, you can see this, Adele Lin's work around EQ, incredibly valuable. And then Daniel Goleman's work, whether it's his book, Emotional Intelligence, or this one, which I read as a company commander and really helped me to start on a journey that I'm still on today about becoming more emotionally intelligent. This book's called Primal Leadership. I want to read something out of this, though, real quickly. I think it helped set the tone. Then we'll get into the definition. Great leaders move us, writes Daniel Goleman. They ignite our passion and inspire the best in us. When we try to explain why they're so effective, we speak a strategy, vision, or powerful ideas. But the reality is much more primal. Great leadership works through emotions. No matter what leaders set out to do, whether it's creating strategy or mobilizing teams to action, which by the side note, I'd say both of those are negotiations, their success depends on how they do it, the process. Even if they get everything else right, if leaders fail in this primal task of driving emotions in the right direction, nothing they do will work as well as it could or should. I hope that sets the foundation for our conversation around this important topic of emotional intelligence, which we're going to explain, folks. And then I really hope that what Nolan and I get to is that we can talk about why this is important as a negotiation concept. How can this make you a more effective 
negotiator in business and personally, whatever you might face. Yeah, and I think that's a powerful couple of sentences that he had. For those listening to the podcast, what we'll do is we'll include the links to both of those books down in the show notes. So again, if you go to negotiatex.com slash 22 for today's episode, you'll see the links for those books if you're interested in picking them up. All right. Emotional intelligence. Aram, what is it? Yeah, so let's talk about it. The definition of emotional intelligence is that dimension of intelligence responsible for our ability to manage ourselves and our relationships with others. And that comes from Adele Lynn's work. Now, most of us know what IQ is, right? IQ measures our ability to learn, understand, and apply information and skills in different ways. EQ, the emotional quotient, is something that some of us may not be as familiar with, but it's a way to measure how people recognize emotions in ourselves and in others, and then be able to manage those emotional states to be able to work more effectively as a part of a, a team or a group or whatever we may be part of. Interestingly enough, research finds very little connection between IQ and EQ. You cannot predict someone's EQ based on uh, how smart they are. The truth is we need both in the business world to be successful. Research that Dan Goldman has done shows that as you grow in your career, your IQ becomes less important as compared to your EQ. And he actually, in his book, Emotional Intelligence, says that 80% of success professionally can be attributed to non-cognitive factors, such as things that are tied to emotional intelligence. That's good news because emotional intelligence, unlike your IQ, which is, tends to be stagnate about age nine, it is what it is, EQ is something we can train and develop. Things around how we handle ourselves, our leadership, communication, authenticity, intentionality, our attitude towards change. These are things we can work on and develop. And so the nice thing is we can build our emotional intelligence. And I think that's incredibly important because like leadership, a lot of people would just assume they either have it or you don't. But I'd argue just like emotional intelligence, leadership is something that can be developed and can be worked on and improved over time. Yeah, it's good news. That's good news for me, Nolan, that we can develop over time because my wife likes to refer to, I'm, I'm an upward trajectory on a number of things, okay? I, I, I haven't reached a final destination yet, good, which is good, but I'm an, on an upward trajectory. Certainly that is the case, I think, around emotional intelligence. Many, many moons ago, and I was actually on the phone with a former soldier, dear friend of mine, and Rick, if you're listening, you know this is about you. <laughs> What's up, Rick? He's been listening to our, our podcast and he said, hey, when did you start picking up this stuff? Because you weren't like that when you were a company commander. And and, and the, so and what he's referring to, I'll, I'll let the secret out, we used to have a, an expression called go Indonesian on people. I wasn't very good at being aware of my own emotions, especially when stressed and tired. And we had a lot, just a lot of things going on people moving in different directions. It wasn't very good in recognizing my own kind of emotional state, as well as being able to engage with the emotions that others had. And it often came out kind of in this bam, sort of very negative way. So I'm grateful. I'm very grateful that this is something that we can learn and grow. And it has been, you know, through some, you know, some training, 
you know, there's some great meditation practices, uh, you know, uh, you know, around being present and, and, and some investment of friends kind of gets you there so that we can build on these five sort of these five components of EI. So some of them are, are intent and internally looked at. So I'm going to borrow from Dan Goldman's model, although, um, Adele Lynn's model is very similar, but Dan Goldman has five components of emotional intelligence. Self-awareness, do we understand our own emotions, where they come from, the source? Self-regulation, can we, after understanding, control them, channel our impulses? Motivation, we rate what is our passion for achievement versus just a you know passion to accomplish, but our passion for achievement. And then as we connect with others externally, our, our ability to demonstrate empathy and our ability to practice good social skill, kind of our relationship management with others and, and being able to tie into their emotions. Again, something I didn't do very well at all early in my career, and hopefully I do incrementally better today. I'm glad that unlike Rick, at least when you were a professor at West Point and we were all your students, I think you, you definitely developed some emotional intelligence to be able to put up especially with the shenanigans with uh, with Drew and I in your class. I, I greatly appreciate you picking up these skills before becoming a professor. <laughs> well, you're welcome. You, you, you two probably, you two probably broke me. So uh, that's, that's uh, that you, you were probably part of it. No, I'm just joking. It's uh... now what I found that was interesting. We were talking about the components of emotional intelligence and let me read this just to make sure that I get it correct. What Dan Goldman found in his research and this was an HBR article in 1998, but it was basically when senior managers at one company had a critical mass of EI capabilities, their divisions outperformed yearly earnings goals by 20%. So why do you think that is so important in the workplace, Aram? Well, I, I mean, going back to his research, right, that, which is that there, it actually affects results emotionally intelligent leaders can affect the bottom line. And we've seen that, we, we see that repeated and as I do work with different clients, as we talk about the leaders that they have, that we can identify the traits of being emotionally intelligent, you see greater retention, greater productivity. And that comes out through, you know, autonomy and the ability for people to be able to disagree and, and to push the organization forward. So, Emotionally intelligent leaders draw more and get more from the people around them. And that's going to, that shows up the, at the negotiation uh, table as well. So then how can we as leaders train our subordinates to become more emotionally intelligent? I mean, we said that it's something trainable, that it's not something that you are just born with. So how do we get better at it? Yeah. So if you walk through the, the five kind of components, it starts with awareness. And so there are different kind of questionnaires and surveys you can take that kind of give you an insight. And so it's certainly what I've done before in training, whether it's at West Point or corporately, is kind of start there. Build some awareness. It's not the answer, right? We're not trying to name you as, you know, emotionally intelligent or not. It gives you an idea of where you have strengths and where you have some potential weaknesses with regards to your emotional intelligence. Then we start to discuss it and we break those, those components down and so that we can better understand them and say, great, how can I show up more self-aware? How can I take myself on day to day, set aside my pathetic need to look good that gets in the way of me learning and say, 
man, I got, I got things to work on because, because there are emotions and they go back a long ways. The first assignment I ask students to do when we're talking about negotiation is tell me about your very first negotiation. Tell me about experiences you had in negotiating growing up and how that affects the way you think about it today. That, that gets to self-awareness and the emotions that we feel, right? It's because a lot of things around negotiation are around our emotions. They, I, I've got to just cave to preserve the relationship because, because relationships are everything. I'm a people pleaser. Or it's around, no, man, negotiation. I learned that in early age, you push and demand uh, harsh things. That's just around the element of, of awareness, self-awareness. Then it's like, well, how do you regulate that, right? How do I regulate my own emotions, my own level of motivation, so that then I can practice? And what does practicing empathy actually look like, right? And so we can talk through that. We can train that. We can do scenarios and say, how do you have those conversations so they don't feel canned, but they're very real that you that you care about where someone is emotionally and you're connecting with them and you're practicing that last piece. That's some social skill, some relationship management to meet someone where they are, not where you want them to be, where they are. And that is very real and sincere. So those are all things that we can put a spotlight on, practice, debrief, and build greater ability over time. Yeah, and I think we'll hit a few more things during this episode. But, you know, as a lieutenant in Afghanistan, walking around on patrols, I was at least self-aware enough to know that I'm the type of person that immediately wants to get to a decision and getting to that end result that we're actually going for. But when I'm meeting with an Afghan counterpart, you know, it's all about building the relationship, the rapport first, before you even talk about business. So understanding where I'm at, I knew that I needed to take a tactical pause and really understand, okay, like, before I go into this, I know that I can't just jump into what I'm trying to achieve. I need to make sure that I take a tactical pause and kind of meet them where they're at and then build that relationship to get to where I want to go. So I think that this is kind of an example of at least being self-aware enough to know where you stand in the emotional intelligence spectrum and what are some techniques that you can employ to be able to bridge the gap. So yeah, that's really well said, right? And the tendency there for all of us and probably for a lot of folks who listen to this program is I want to jump in and solve problems. And the emotionally intelligent leader is able to pause for that split second and, and kind of practice some of those behaviors you were just talking about. And it's because of, you know, I can recognize what's going on in myself. I can recognize what's going on with this other person. And even if I screw up, it's okay. I can go back and address it sooner and we don't go down too far down this path of damaged feelings and emotions. We're able to get to problem solving actually sooner in a more effective way, right? By, by practicing what you're saying. Yeah. And I think if you're a leader that is new to an organization, there's something that you can steal from the military. That is because military leaders are constantly changing out every one or two years. But when a new leader comes into an organization, there's a de facto rule that you can't make any changes within 30 days because you really need to understand what and why the organization is doing what it's doing. And then kind of after those 30 days, it's assumed that you understand enough about the organization that you can implement effective changes. So if you're bad at emotional intelligence and really need to take that tactical pause, that's another strategy for you to employ is, hey, new to an organization, unless it's something that is immoral or unethical, 
that you can take the tactical pause of 30 days to really understand the organization before you try and make any changes. Yeah, that's and that's a little counterintuitive for a lot of folks because, again, we're action-oriented folks. And so we think we need to get straight to action. And again, an emotionally intelligent leader is one who's going to be able to survey and be aware of things before you make those decisions. It requires some humility too. So I shared the failure when I was commander. I still struggle sometimes with my practicing emotional intelligence in the way that I should. And, you know, friends and colleagues could probably point to those points. Sometimes I've hit it well though. And again, this goes back to kind of humility. Uh, you know, about a year or so ago, middle of COVID, a lot of people tired and stressed and doing, you know, teaching and doing training programs virtual and having to learn this. I inadvertently offended a student of mine and I didn't know that I had. So we're in the middle of a session. I noticed the student's camera. They had been on camera and all of a sudden their camera goes dark. And so I followed up afterwards and I just said, hey, saw that your camera went dark. Hope everything's okay. Let me know if you missed anything because I didn't know if maybe there'd been something going on in their own life. And I got a surprising response, which was actually saying that something you said really, really struck me as not just negative, but offensive. My natural tendency kind of was to go into self-preservation mode, right? The emotions were, well, that's not what I meant. I'm clearly being misunderstood. And fortunately in that case, because this was early in the term, I was able to say, you know, that's not going to be helpful. And the truth is, is that even though I'm feeling those things, I've got to kind of self-regulate my natural response and say, this student that I care about, who's learning I care about, who I, you know, I don't want to lose for the rest of the term, they're hurt. And, and they're hurt because of words that came out of my mouth. So how do I connect with them? That, that required some humility. And fortunately, the student was just as just humble and we were able to talk through it. And I can imagine and, and work through it and get to a great place. And one of my best students that I had in the term, I can imagine that going completely differently without some practice of emotional intelligence. I think that's pretty powerful. And I think it at least shows that you're well-versed in this to be able to, one, understand that distinction. I mean, imagine if you as a listener, as a leader, was able to pick up on those cues to be self-aware enough to know like, there are things I need to change to make sure that I'm building the connection that I intend to build with my subordinates, peers, what have you. So definitely powerful and definitely kind of a takeaway for me. I know that we'll get to key takeaways, but it's that uh, I'm not at that point. So I know this is definitely something that I need to do to continue working on. But with that, let's kind of bridge this, okay? How is this important in negotiations and how do we get from talking about emotional intelligence to emotional intelligence in the negotiation realm? Yeah. So it's, that's the, that's the link we want to make, right? So, um, boy, it shows up all over the way that you and I've talked about negotiation in the past, self-awareness, what assumptions am I carrying? What baggage do I bring into a negotiation because of what's worked or hasn't worked in the past at the negotiation table? Am I trying to be, you know, a Shakespearean theater actor and, and just do a performance or am I being authentic to myself? And so how do I regulate how I show it up at the table? That, that tends to be somewhat of an interesting topic because some people think that, oh, I should just pretend to be someone I'm not at the negotiation table. That's not what you and I would say, right? We would say we need to, we need to negotiate in a way that's consistent with who we are as people. Empathy, huge, right? Empathy shows up all over our model. How are you going to build genuine working relationships, establish rapport, have some, you know, 
you know, two-way trust, integrity to be able to tackle difficult problems without without being able to empathize with somebody. Empathy is communication too. And when you're hurting and I just either ignore it or I say, yeah, 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 I understand, right? You don't feel heard. You don't feel God. I have to acknowledge the emotions there and, and empathy, right? Different from sympathy, which says, gee, sorry, you're feeling that way. Empathy is actually, yeah, I, I can see that pain. I, I feel that pain. That's that's real genuine empathy. Real fast, if I can jump in right here, Aram. Yeah, jump in, jump in. I think that if you, the listener, that this is something that you really need to understand, you need to take a listen to, I believe it was episode 19, where we talked to former LAPD hostage negotiator, Mike Baker. And, and Mike talks about, as the hostage negotiator, he was able to build empathy, build rapport with people that were going through, obviously, a difficult situation. They messed up. And although on a normal day-to-day basis, Mike doesn't necessarily build a connection with, with, with criminals by any means, but during the negotiations process, he is able to put that all aside and truly build empathy with someone he normally wouldn't on a day-to-day basis. So it's pretty powerful. I think you should listen to that episode right after this one if you haven't already. All right, sorry. Yeah, no, that's great. Mike does make that point. And empathy is all over the crisis negotiation unit and team's manual, right? It's, it's with the FBI, with what Mike shared as well. It's all over. The ability to demonstrate empathy to connect because sometimes we go back to our model the interests that somebody has. Interests aren't always tangible, substantive things. Sometimes they're psychological or emotional. And the interest is, I just want to be heard. I just want to be God. Uh, It's amazing how often with my kids, when they're angry and frustrated, the only concern, it's not even, it's not the whatever that got dropped in the dirt or got lost or torn or whatever it might be. That's, it's not the substantive issue. They just want to be heard. And if you can demonstrate empathy, that actually gets you to the interest as well. And it actually can make, make solving the problem that much easier. So yeah, listen to, listen to Mike's examples there. And you can put this into practice. And that's, those, are, those are ways that emotional intelligence are showing up at the negotiation table. Yeah, and I think it's kind of another underlying reason here. And they're all kind of connected. That, but that's to build more effective relationships. Having that emotional intelligence, especially in a negotiation, to be able to, to, to build that rapport, really build that relationship to be able to achieve your desired outcomes would be remain authentic. You know, that's kind of the importance here of being emotionally intelligent. What are some other ways of tying this back to the seven elements of the negotiation? Well, I, I would say another one is just being able to, you know, problem solve, right? And come up with different options. I remember being based in Afghanistan and working with a journalist. And there was always this kind of assumption that military and, and, and journalists would have some sort of antagonism. Truth is, is journalists and I got along great. And you know why we got along great? Is we talked at the end of the day, we could, we could really appreciate the fact that I was concerned about security. The journalist was concerned about being able to tell a, a good story, an effective, truthful story to readers and be able to do their job well. Those two things didn't have to be mutually exclusive. And so the ability to listen and engage and connect on an emotional level with each other allowed us both to do our job and 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 do it really well and work in partnership with each other all right aaron if it's okay with you let's jump into some action items this is a podcast that is all about trying to help our listeners take action to become more effective negotiators so with that aaron what is a key takeaway pertaining to emotional intelligence i'll pass the mic over to you sure one 
if you like the topic, there's a lot to read about it. So, so get out there, read about it. I, I, it has changed and is continuing to change the way I try to engage with others in a more authentic and hopefully effective manner. Two, it will affect the results you get. Uh, Nolan shared some of the research. The research is out there. You, you will get better results at the negotiation table, at building teams, at change management, all these things that you're trying to do with your company by being a little bit more intelligent. And three, it is trainable. So, you know, don't get discouraged that you're not where you are today. I can speak from personal experience and say it is something that we can learn and grow on. It starts with awareness and reflection. And then through practice, we can actually see growth in our emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think the key takeaway from me is this is obviously something that I need to work on. I understand that about myself, but one tool that I use, again, is that tactical pause. So if I'm caught off guard by someone else's reaction, it's definitely you know not what I intended. Let me take that tactical pause to really understand why they may be feeling that way uh, first. But just telling them, like, like you said earlier, being on the defensive, be like, whoa, that's not how I understood it. Well, that's that's not how I said it. So I need to figure out why did I make them feel that way? And I think that's pretty important. It, it all starts with the tactical pause. So with that, I appreciate you listening to the Negotiate X podcast. If you could do us a favor, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Share it with some of your friends. Share it with some of your coworkers. We would greatly appreciate it. Hopefully, we're starting to piece together the different parts of the negotiation to be able to help influence your business and your life. And that's basically our goal. That's why we started this podcast, and it's definitely to help you become a more powerful leader and help your organization improve. So with that, if you want us to cover anything in the future, please send us an email to team at negotiatex.com. If you are a business owner or leader and you're looking for some more one-on-one -on -one coaching to be able to fully understand what we're able to bring to the table and how we can use that to improve yourself, your organization, and basically get all the results that you are trying to get at, then please don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can go to negotiatex.com and you can see the coaching services that we offer. With that, we greatly appreciate you listening and I'll see you over in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.